Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to continue this message that I started called Pursuing Our High Calling. Pursuing Our High Calling. Look at what that means in the scripture. Many times we hear the verse that it gets quoted a lot. You know, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That motivates us. It helps us to see that there's something we need to be pushing towards. But I think we also need to know what that means. You know, what does that mean? What am I pushing towards? What is my, the prize? What is the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? And so we're going to look at that a little bit more today. Last week we looked at the effort. We looked at words like press toward and follow after, which means that it's going to take energy. We also looked at the word apprehend, how that just like a policeman apprehends a robber or a, a criminal, you have to dive on them, lock their arms down, put the cuffs on it. That's the way we gotta, we got to be towards the high calling of God. we got to apprehend. we got to go after it with an effort. Amen. So there's effort involved. Uh, then we started looking at my second point, and we were looking at the goal. The goal. And I think I basically only got to the first goal there, and that is the resurrection of the dead. I want to point out this one particular truth that we need to understand. When it comes to the resurrection... There are three parts of you. There is the spirit, the soul, and the body. The resurrection has to do with all three of those. Okay? Now we know that when you got saved and you became born again, that your spirit was resurrected, which means it was dead, but now it's made alive. It says, you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. And that's talking about your spirit. The Holy Spirit came into you, and the Bible says he sealed you unto the day of redemption. So you've experienced already a resurrection. That's spiritual resurrection. But there's also the other end is the physical resurrection. Now we all know, you saw I had the, the sling on today. We all got broken bodies. Amen. Some of you can hardly wait to get your glorified body. Amen. I'm one of those. I, I, I vote yes. Amen. And one day I'm going to get that body. You know, it's guaranteed because I'm already spiritually resurrected. I'm guaranteed to be physically resurrected. Amen. Because that's a, that's a third part of the body. Or a third part of our makeup. And so that leaves us this middle piece. The soul. The soul is the part that really you have to do with right now. Now your body is corrupted. That's why he can't fix your body. He can't reform your body. Your flesh is something that will crave the things of this world. And if you allow your body to be the boss, you're going to make all kinds of bad decisions. That's why you have to allow your spirit to be the master, not your body be the master. Amen. Uh, the Bible says you ought to put your body into subjection. And we'll look at that verse again today as well. And so the resurrection of the dead, it's talking about my spirit, my soul, and my body. The first one and the last one have really nothing to do with what I'm going to do except for that decision that I've received Christ as my Savior. I'm guaranteed those two. The middle one, it's kind of a delayed reaction. That means that he left us down in this sinful world for a reason. He did not just change us and make us into a glorious being when we got saved. 
He left us with a soul that needs to be renewed. And that's why the Bible says that we needed the renewal of the mind. Now, the scripture tells us what that renewal is supposed to look like. He gives us principles. He gives us things that we're supposed to submit to. So this thinker in here will change. Amen? So this heart that desires things is going to change. I mean, your desire should change after you give yourself to the Lord. And after you follow the Lord, your desires will change. When I first got saved, there's things I still desired in this world, but it didn't take long as I surrendered to the Lord, those desires begin to fall to the wayside and new desires would come in the midst. But that's why the Bible says you're supposed to set your heart, your affections on those things which are above, not those things which are on the earth. So those have to do with your decisions. So there's a resurrection in your soul that takes place down here after your salvation that you have to make a decision and desire for the power of that resurrection of Christ to change your soul. Take it from a dead position to a live position, amen? Dead affections to living affections. (laughs) A dead mind to a living mind, amen? Uh, A mind that's fashioned after the word of God. That's a decision you need to make. Some Christians don't make that decision. They say, hey, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I've got a spiritual resurrection. I'm guaranteed a physical resurrection. That's all I want. Well, the problem is this verse means nothing to you then because there's a mark for the prize, a mark for the prize. And folks, for any prize that any man has ever received, it's based upon an effort that they put into the race and they discipline themselves and they run and they sweat and they work and they hit the end of the line and they're crowned by their master. Amen. That's what we're aiming towards. Now, you may not think that's important. I do. When I see Christ, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to comment on the effort that I placed into my life, even in a corrupt soul. I want him to to make a, a comment based upon my surrender since the time I got saved to the day of the physical resurrection. And he will. The judgment seat of Christ is the evaluation. It's the evaluation how you ran the race how you gave yourself to God's plan for your life. And the Apostle Paul is talking about that effort to press toward that mark. Amen? So I just want to explain to you what this is. We're not pressing towards salvation because that's already done. I'm not pressing towards a bodily resurrection because that's guaranteed. I'm pressing towards the change of my soul. And that's what we got to understand. Amen. And so the goal is a resurrection of the dead. Now, what is that? What in in its essence is the resurrection? Well, the Bible says when you get resurrected physically, that you'll receive a body like unto his glorious body. See, because Jesus Christ is the only one that defeated death. He's the one that broke through. I mean, Muhammad, uh, you look at uh, all the false teachers, you look at all the, the cult leaders. When they died, they went to the grave, they hit that brick wall. Bam. 
You would go no further. You don't have the power to overcome death. Jesus Christ, when he went to the grave, three days later, he broke past and he came up. He's the only one that could do that. The resurrection is patterned after Christ. So the body you'll receive is like Christ's body. The spirit that was born again, that's like Christ's spirit. It's his spirit in you. The soul that's changing in this present time, it's Christ's image. You get what I'm talking about here? <laughs> the resurrection in its, in its essence <laughs> revolves around the image of Christ. The resurrection is Christ. He said, did he not say, I am the what? The resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. So all I know is this. <laughs> the Lord didn't leave you here to become like me. The Lord left you here to become like Christ. That's what it's all about. So the goal, what is the mark? What is the, the end of the race? What is it that I'm pushing forward and pressing and putting this effort towards? I want the resurrection of the dead. What does that mean? That simply means the maturing of my soul to become like Christ. That's our race. Oh no, our race preacher is to do ministry, is to do this and to do that. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. <laughs> I've been in ministry now over 20 years. You know what I've learned? One of the most important principles I've ever learned? It has far more to do about what God's doing in my heart than what he's doing in other people's hearts. What I go through is how God is changing me. The greatest work that God is doing today is not in what you do. It's in what you are. And if you're not changing internally, you can do, 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 do. It means nothing. Amen? But I'll tell you something. You change internally. You let Christ fill your heart. You let his love be your love. You let his wisdom be your wisdom. You let his uh, uh, goals be your goals. His life be your life. Guess what you'll do? You'll do what Jesus does. But it all starts right here. The power of the resurrection in my soul. It's the maturing. Now, Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to see where I'm going to start reading here. Um, let me go back to verse number 10. It says this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's a lot of his, amen? It's nothing else but him. It's all Christ. It's, it's his resurrection. It's his sufferings. It's his death that I'm trying to actually conform to. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, give me clarity of mind 
Give me fullness of spirit, I pray. I believe you can do this through me, Lord. I pray, dear God, you touch hearts with this message. I pray we would see decisions made today for your honor and for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we want to talk about today is basically the maturing of our souls. The maturing of our souls. And we see that in verse number 12. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The word perfect there means complete. It means mature. It means make perfect by reaching the intended goal. Amen. That's maturity. Uh, it's a goal, a purpose. It's finished. That which reached its end. It's termin. It's limit. It's complete. It's lacking nothing. Paul admits that he had not reached the limit of growth that is designated for him. Now, if there's one person that I would look at in the scripture that I thought might have attained, it would be the Apostle Paul, other than Christ. Well, Christ is Christ. He has attained who he is. Amen? But Paul was seeking to be like Christ. And yet he made a statement. He says, I have not attained. I have not attained. Neither were already perfect. Okay? Now, I want to talk about a couple of things here. In Matthew 5, verse 48, it says this. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And we as people, we need to understand that this perfection is not talking about just doing stuff. It's about the inner change that's taking place. That's what God wants to accomplish. Now, there's one church that has this statement or the motto, no perfect people. I'm going to tell you some folks, I don't know what they meant by that, but that'll never be the motto of this church. Not because we have attained, but because we desire to attain. We want perfection. Not that we're going to walk around, look, I'm perfect, because you're not. You, just like the Apostle Paul, you're, you're seeking to attain something that you have not attained. But folks, perfection... We're not talking, there's nobody on this planet that is going to reach sin, sinless perfection by the time Jesus comes. So if we're on this race to become like Christ, Christ is up here, we're down here, and here me and you, we're just giving her, we're trying to be like Jesus. By the time Jesus comes, there's going to be nobody that's hit that mark. But in the moment that he comes, all of us will hit that mark at the same time. The very split second. Now, maybe you're going to be up here, and I'm going to be down here, and you're going to look at me and say, nee, nee, nee. <laughs> I'm perfect, you're not. <laughs> it doesn't matter, because all of us are going to be just like him when he comes. Yeah. Then I'm going to look at you, nee, nee. <laughs> I'm like Jesus, just like you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? Folks, you can't tease people or look down on people for being somewhere where you're not. Because none of us have attained. None of us. But what we do want is a desire in our heart to attain. This passage, it's not a defeatist passage. It's not saying, oh, well, we'll never be perfect. So, hey, everybody, just, just, let's just get used to not being perfect. <laughs> no perfect people. So just go ahead and do what you want. No perfect people. No, we desire to be like Christ. So we don't focus on not being perfect. Perfect. 
We focus on wanting to be perfect like our Lord. That should be our motto. Seeking perfection. That'd be better than no perfection. Amen. It's not saying I'm perfect, but it's saying I got a goal. Amen. And my goal is to be like Christ. That's what the Lord wants for us. And folks, that should be your motto as well. Maturity in the faith is the change of our soul into the image of Christ himself. And we see verses here, many of them. In Romans 8, verse 29, it says, Who, Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he says, those that the Lord knew were going to get saved, he predestined them to be like Jesus, which is going to happen. You are predestinated to be like the Lord Jesus Christ by God's will. Amen? That's a great thing to be predestinated towards. So that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That means he's going to be the first, but all of us are going to be like him. We're going to be like brothers and sisters. And we're going to think like him. We're going, to, we're going to do things like him. We're going to love like him. We're going to be like him. Amen? That's God's plan. Galatians 4.19, the Apostle Paul carried a deep burden in his heart that the people in these churches would become like Christ. And you know what? It's difficult because people, many times it seems like they're working against the very thing that they should be desiring in their life by allowing sin, by doing things that are wrong, by causing problems in the church, not only are they hindering their own growth, but they're actively seeking to hinder the growth of others. Think about it. This is serious business we're involved with here. You should never be a part of hindering someone else's growth to be like Christ. You'd be better just putting a muzzle on your mouth, tie your hands, sit yourself down, and shut up. <laughs> Amen. If you don't want to be like Jesus, well, then don't take other people down with you. You get it? Every man must choose. Then don't get all disheartened when people don't want to spend every minute of the day with you when all you do is talk trash. They want to be like Christ. They want to think like him. They want to talk like him. They want to act like him. They, they want to love like him. And they can't do it when you're always shoving garbage into their mind. So guess what? They won't want to be around you. So suck your thumb. Get over with it. Get right. Get on the plan. Get on the same race that they're on. And guess what? We'll all get there together. You help me, I help you. How's that? But let's never hinder one another. Never. That is a great sin against God. It truly is. The Apostle Paul says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I don't know about you. Hey, I got a lot of... uh, Credit, a lot of praise for ladies when they have children. I don't in any way belittle that, <laughs> what they have to go through to bring those little toddlers into this world, amen. It's a hard, hard thing. They travail. They travail. And guess what? That travail is nothing like the travail that they spend for the rest of their life as they try to have those kids move forward for God. 
The Apostle Paul says, I travail again. You know, I, I'm sure every mother would say, I wish the, the only pain I ever had was the pain of bringing the child into the world. But everyone will tell you, I've experienced far more pain watching them make mistakes and messing up their life. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. He says, I travail again. I'm going through this again with you. Because I want Christ to be formed in your life. And you're fighting it. Amen. Don't fight it. That's a desire of every godly father and mother. That's a desire of every godly pastor. Every godly Christian. Every godly friend. Any godly friend looks at their other friends and says, you know what my greatest desire for you is? That Christ be formed in you. And if that's not your desire for your friend, you're not a good friend. What? Oh no, you're a friend according to the world. The world would call you a great friend. But when it comes to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, we don't just need friends that help us to go make money. We don't need friends that tell us what we need to hear. We need friends that are encouraging us and challenging us to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are not, that friend should weep for us and travail for us. Or that person truly is not a friend. You get that. He travailed in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Colossians 3.10 it says, And have put on the new man. For Sunday school, we were talking about how the new creature, that's the new man. That's the only thing that's been created after the first six six days of creation, is the new creature in Christ. Amen? But now we we should desire to put on that new man. Because our soul is corrupt, we have to decide that spiritual man that was born again, that was made brand new, we have to practically apply that into our corrupt soul. Amen? We have to put on the new man. We have to make that decision to crucify the old man and put on the new. Amen? And then it goes on to say, it tells us about what that new man is. It says, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That new man You remember in the garden how man was made in the image of God? The new man is created in the image of Christ. And the Bible says you need to put him on. Put him on. And that new man is created, is the the image of the one that actually created you. You know that Jesus created you? He created you. Without him was not anything created. The Bible says in John chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 4 is another passage. And this is the practical aspect of this. Once again, Ephesians 4.11, it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. We know the, the office of an apostle is not, no longer in play anymore. We know that had to be closed. We know that prophets today are not those that foresee the future, but they are those that foretell, they foretell the future by the scripture. They, they don't just foresee and they're, they're, they give you extra biblical revelation. Since the completing of the scripture, now prophets are those simply that preach the Bible. <laughs> Amen? Everything that has been revealed has been revealed in the word of God. 
And then it says he's given you some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the first step there is the perfecting of the saints. The reason why God gave you pastors and teachers so that you could be perfected, like Philippians chapter 3, and attain the goal of maturity. Attain the resurrection of the dead in your soul. You get that. So just in case you think, well, I don't need a pastor. Well, then the Bible's not true. Get your little knife, cut out Ephesians chapter 4. Because you never want to read that again. Because as soon as you do, you'll be fighting with God. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm kind of saying I'd rather fight with him now than later on. No matter how much I've cut out of the Bible, it's still going to be written in heaven. <laughs> Amen. He's going to pull out his book and says, oh, you didn't get to this one, did you? Then he'll read it to you. He says, you shouldn't have done that. Amen? doesn't matter what man does to this book. <laughs> Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You're not wrestling against me. You're wrestling against a, uh, an eternal God. Amen? For the perfecting of the saints, why do you need to be perfected? Why do you need perfection? Why do you need to be matured? Why do you need to grow? Well, you need that for the work of the ministry. That's what it says right there. So the people of God are supposed to be the workers in the ministry. But that's not the way I've been brought up. We're, we're taught that preachers are the workers. Well, that's very convenient. <laughs> that's convenient to have the preachers do all the work. But that's not Bible. The Bible tells us that I'm supposed to give my time to perfecting you so that you can do the work. Amen? That's not because I'm a lazy pastor. I'm busy enough. <laughs> Amen? But you know what? That is the biblical way. So that means that you're supposed to be working more and more towards being usable for God by you being matured in your soul. More like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you've dug your heels in, you've dug your heels into this plan. Now, all of these people that God has given you have no purpose in your life. That's why you, you throw them out. You discard them. Because they have no purpose. But if you were a, a, ch a child of God that was right with God, you'd say, there is a purpose. They have a purpose in my life. And you'd have to die to your pride. Because pride says, I don't need anybody. Pride, the middle letter of pride is I. <laughs> Amen. I, 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 I. Well, your I needs to die. Yeah. And once that I dies, then you can become like Christ. That's why he says you need to take up your cross and follow him. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. <laughs> the greatest sin that a Christian can do is not deny himself. So it goes on to say, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Well, saying, preacher, why would I have to work for the ministry? Why do I need to work anyways? He gives that answer. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means you're supposed to have a direct impact on the building up of this church. Yeah. The preacher perfects the people. The people do the work. The work isn't just doing, doing, doing. The work is loving. The work is lifting. The work is encouraging. Sometimes the work is rebuking. You can't do that sin here. You have to stop that. Well, you don't love me. No, I love you too much. 
Because if I loved myself more, I wouldn't tell you. You understand that? People that love themselves don't correct people. Because they want people to think bad of them. So they love themselves more than the other person. They'd rather see that other person fail, fall, and be destroyed so that they don't have to feel that somebody doesn't like them. But a person that loves people will tell them, say, you're doing it wrong. That person will get mad at them. Well, I hate you. And you'll say, I love you anyways. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, the more I love, the less I be loved. Amen? Yeah. I'm, try being a Christian. You'll find that out. <laughs> well, I've never found that out. Try being a Christian. You'll find that out. You're saying I'm not a Christian? You evaluate your own Christian life. Amen? All I know is all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All. Every last one that lives a Christian life. It goes on to say here, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There it is. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. So He's saying, until you become perfect, until you take on all the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ, until your thoughts are His thoughts, until your love is His love, until your desires are His desires, you need to be perfected. And that'll never stop. That's why I say pastors have job security. That doesn't mean they're going to get paid. <laughs> that just means they got security. They got the job. Amen. Every pastor will continue to work till Jesus comes because nobody's going to be like Christ until Jesus appears. That's why this is for this period of time. This aspect of perfecting, working, edifying is a constant process until the resurrection day. Amen. So I've got job security. Or until I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Amen. Then I'll probably have to find another job, right? And so it goes on to say, so remember I just said, till we all come to the unity of the faith. So the faith, the unity of the faith, is also the knowledge of the Son of God. So when people come to you and they say, well, it doesn't matter if we're all exactly thinking like, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter if Jesus is the same person. <laughs> yeah, it does. The unity of the faith is the unity of Christ. That means you can't just say there's many faiths because then you're saying there's many Christs. There's one faith, there's one Christ. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One time you're placed into Christ, that's salvation. Amen? Then it says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. Someone comes along at work and say, have you heard this? And you just say, oh, I don't heard that. <laughs> well, the reason why you're confused is you need more perfecting. Go back to church. Don't make, you, make sure you don't skip out on church that weekend. Because God's probably going to tell you something you need to know about what that person just told you because that's how much God loves you. Amen. I can't tell you how many times as I was growing in the faith, and still am, but as I was growing newly in the faith, 
I had a question. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know how to answer that. I would go to church that weekend and the Lord answered that question in the preaching of the word of God. Have you ever had it? Somebody raise your hand. Has it ever happened to you? You know what you have here? A bunch of people that are on the process, on the track of perfection. Amen? That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's why it happens. Because God cares. He wants you to be helped. And we'll look at that a little bit later. Uh, but speaking the truth in love, may, well, I didn't finish what I said here, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I get emails. I get people throwing stuff at me all the time, challenging my positions, challenging this. And I, you know, I do delete. <laughs> I don't have time to listen to people's garbage. Yeah. Well, if you really want to know, then you would listen to what I got to say. Well, if you really wanted to say something, then you'd be involved in a local church where God would call you a teacher so you could go teach somebody something. Do you understand that? If you're a teacher, you'll be risen up, brought up out of the local New Testament body. You're not going to be an internet guy that challenges all the churches on the planet because everybody's wrong and I'm right. Do you get that? You don't listen to people that are not involved in a local New Testament church that are kept accountable by a doctrinal statement, kept accountable by a pastor. The first thing I'll ask somebody when they contact me and say, hey, this is what I believe and I don't agree with you. I'll ask, who's your pastor? They don't tell me. They never tell me. Why not? Aren't you accountable to your pastor? Do you understand that? Aren't you accountable to your local church? Teachers are called out of the local church. You are not self-called. You can't just go on YouTube and become a teacher that everybody's supposed to listen to. They owe you nothing. So when someone sends me a link, delete. Come to church, submit yourself, be called of God, and I'll start listening to your teaching. But there's, a, there's a, uh, a purging period. We've had people come and their doctrines are out of whack. Guess what happens? They went out from us because they were not of us. That's what the Bible says. So that's why you don't just listen to people on the internet because there has to be that purging process. And they went out from us that it may be known that they were not of us. We're letting people teach us that have never gone through the process of whether we really know that they would actually be of us or not. Do you get? That's just Bible living, by the way. Is that okay? <laughs> Amen. That's Bible principle. That's how we're supposed to operate within our Christian families. And the reason why people are getting sidetracked by the slight of men, by cunning craftiness, they're not following that principle. They're not following it. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. Considering the end of their conversation. That's a qualifier there. He's saying that there's people in your life that God has chosen to teach you. 
And you should obey and submit to them, but you need to watch them. You need to make sure they're not, they're not pulling the wool over your eyes. They're not living for the devil and trying to take a position in the church and telling you stuff when they're not living it. Amen? Now, everybody doesn't think the pastor lives it because you can always find a weakness, right? <laughs> I got weaknesses. And with your help, I'll overcome them. That's not what we're talking about here. Folks, what I preach, I believe. And it costs me. It costs me. More than you think. You understand that. And by you watching me, you know that I'm sincere in that. But how can you watch that internet guy? How can you consider the end of his lifestyle? How can you see whether they're right with God? How can you say how, how they treat the person at the store? How they, how they act in business? How do you know that they're not a gossip? You know that when you know them. You know that when they're a part of the local New Testament church. That's where our teachers come from. Amen? That's who you listen to. You guys get what I'm saying here? <laughs> I know it's not popular because people don't care about that, that kind of stuff. I care because it has to do with the true unity of the local assembly. And it keeps people from going off Lone Ranger and losing their whole family over stupid moves because something they heard on the internet. Amen? And we're living in a day and age we've got to be so careful. There's so much garbage and false teaching out there. So much. I'm not against listening to a sermon on the internet, but it has to be somebody I know Somebody that I know is associated with somebody I know that knows how that person lives. I know preachers all over the country, all over the states. I also know that they're living right. I'll listen to them. <laughs> you understand that? <laughs> it keeps me in balance. But be careful. Now, preacher, you're just an old fuddy daddy. You know, I'm called to warn you. A, a, a shepherd has a staff. That staff has a hook on it. That hook is when the sheep falls in the ditch or in the, in the, in the bush. I grab a hold of you and I give you a yank out. <laughs> Amen. The other, the other one has a ball on the end with a bunch of glass and metal in there. You know what that's for? Beating off the wolves. So the shepherd hooks the sheep out of the bushes and out of the ditch. And the shepherd also whacks the wolves. So what I'm going to do is whack the wolves. And people don't like wolf whacking today. They don't like that. That's just too judgmental, too intolerant. Yeah. I am completely intolerant of wolves. <laughs> completely. Amen. Where he says, the time will come after my departure. He says, grievous wolves shall enter in among you. And not spare the flock. Amen. That he was talking to the pastors. He's saying, get your stick out, boys. They're coming in. They wouldn't come when Paul was there. He was way too powerful of a figure. They couldn't meet him. They couldn't, they couldn't uh, you know, hit, hit him at the same level. He just overpowered them. But afterwards, oh, you take that guy out of there, they're just waiting to come in. Amen. There's people like that here that come in like that. I've had to watch them and pray, and ultimately see them out. And try not to make too much of a ripple. <laughs> Scare the sheep in the meantime, amen? 
It's just what you do. But it says, by the slight of man, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. There it is again. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. In all things. Which is the head, even Christ. That's what it's all about. The maturity of our soul is about us growing up into Christ in everything. You guys got some things? What are some of your things? Is your job a thing? You know, you got to grow up into Christ in your job. How you handle yourself, how you deal with co workers, how you handle the alcohol at the banquets, how you handle the parties, the bad language, how you handle dishonesty on the job. In all things. So whatever you do, your family's a thing, the situations you face are things, all of those things have to, you have to grow up into him. Amen? It should grieve us that we have areas in our life that do not line up with Christ. It should grieve your heart. Say, Lord, I want to be so much like you and I just feel so far away. Please help me. And you ought to be seeking the scripture. That would cause you to read your Bible. Amen. And study the word of God because you want to understand the principles that help you to grow up into him in all things. It's biblical principle that makes that happen. Amen. Achieving maturity is a lifetime pursuit. He says, not as though I'd already attained or were already perfect. He says, I've not seized it yet i've not laid a hold of that maturity yet but i'm 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 trying to attain it i'm pressing towards it amen though he had his positional he had positional perfection he was seeking for practical perfection but we know that is progressive for us as believers today thy word uh it, it says thy word Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth in John 17, 17. So it's a progressive sanctification. You're going to be slowly changed into the image of Christ. But you've got to make yourself a part of that. You've got to seek for that. You've got to press towards that. You have to want to seize that. If that's not a part of your thinking, you say, well, I don't really care. I mean, I'm just happy kind of being what I am. Guess what? You're not going to be more like Jesus. This race, you're sitting at the starting line. Well, as long as I become like him later, yeah, but the thing is, this journey here is going to dictate how you impact people while you're here on earth. Because even the, 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 the crowns that we receive from Christ, every one of them have to do, not with just with what we do, but with how we are in our soul. The crown of righteousness is for those that love his appearing. Love? In fact, every crown has to do with love. You don't love God and you don't love people, there's no crowns. Well, how am I supposed to love people? Christ has to love them through you. As you submit to him, he works in your heart and it flows through you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's how you get the crowns. It's not just, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to 
check off this list and check off, then I'll get my crowns. You could check off all the lists and still receive no crowns because your soul has not been matured. You've not become like Christ in your heart. Amen? And so achieving maturity is a lifetime pursuit. Achieving maturity is a Christ-given pursuit. Notice what it says here, and I'll be done. But I follow after of that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. There is a reason that Jesus Christ got a hold of you. That's what it says there. It says, I follow after that if I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. What he's saying is this. I want to lay a hold on the thing that Christ laid laid a hold on me for. Amen. Christ got a hold of me. Now I want to get a hold of Christ. That's what it means. Hey, he got a hold of you. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. He pursued after you like you're supposed to pursue after him. He pressed towards you the way that you're supposed to press towards him. What kind of Christian, after he's been saved through that kind of effort, is going to say, I'm not going to press for you. You know what? Even in certain cultures, when people save somebody else's life, they give their life as a slave to that person. Because you saved my life, I am forever indebted to become your slave. And their whole life, they'll be the slave of that person that saved their life. That's in culture. That's the choice that we need to make. He saved your life. You need to make a choice to pursue after him. Too many Christians are not. They're not. If I were to have a screen here, and if I were to know, and I don't, how much time all of us spend in the Bible this week, and we would list your name with the passages that you read. How much would we fill up of that screen? See, don't say you're pressing when you're not pressing. Don't say you're following after when you're really not following after. See, you will not apprehend If you're not chasing it, you're not going to apprehend it. Or you'll have to wait until Jesus comes and then we'll all apprehend it at the same time and say, hey, I'm great. But then he's going to say, now let's evaluate the time between the regeneration and the resurrection. And that's what the crowns are about. Amen? That's when we say, oh, um, I've got an appointment I need to go to. He says, no, no, no more appointments. No more appointments. You're going to be here for a while. That's why the Bible says when Jesus Christ comes, many will be ashamed. Because they never pressed. They never followed after. He did so much for us. And we wouldn't even turn around and seek him because of it. 
that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He got a hold of me, not just to save me. He got a hold of me because he said, I want you to be with me and I want you to be like me. We look at him, I don't care. And we only not care about ourselves, we hurt other people and keep them from following that same goal. Think about that, folks. It's a terrible sin. The Bible says it's an abomination to sow discord among the brethren. It's an abomination. Because the Lord says, you divide my people. You're hurting my plan. You're hurting the very reason why I apprehended them in the first place. And you're hindering them from becoming what I want them to be. Folks, we need to get serious about this. It's a lifetime pursuit. You're not going to hit it next week. But your life is going to be a series of apprehensions. You're going to grab a hold of things. You're going to learn things. You're going to continue to go on until finally you're going to become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And there ought never be a week that goes by where you're not following after. Amen? Let's bow our heads. The Bible says for that to happen, that he says, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. See, this is what we got to do now. It's one thing. It's one decision. So this morning, you're making one decision. Your decision to move forward for God is your decision to move away from the past. You've got to let go your bitterness, your unforgiveness, your sin. You've got to let go on all the things that you think make you important. You've got to say, you know what, Lord? The only thing that makes me important is you. He says, I count not myself. That's the thing of the mind. You have to have a right mind. It's an accounting you do in your mind. Folks, account this morning. Can you leave those things behind so you can press forward towards a mark? Christian, it's so important. This is not a light message. It's a real message. It's going to really set your, your whole course for the rest of your life and the decision you make with this. Or you can sit where you are and backslide and hurt other people. And you'll fail. Don't let that happen. I'm going to encourage you to make a decision today before the Lord that you're going to make that one decision to press toward and to forget the past. You may have to deal with some past garbage, but that means moving on from it. You've got to stop circling around who you think you are from your past life and let Christ make you 